Welcome into a bonus edition of Locked On Horn Frogs. We have a special treat today. Andy Patton with us from Locked On College Basketball, also from Locked On Zag. He's going to talk TCU and Big 12 basketball with us today. Let's get into it on Locked On Horn Frogs. You are Locked On Horn Frogs. Your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Horn Frogs, and we're talking TCU basketball today. It's It's been a weird fall, Andy, because the football team, uh, we expected them to be better. Yeah. We did not expect this. <laughs> they're 11-0, they're and 0, yeah. um, have a chance to, you know, play in the college football playoff potentially. So – the most hype basketball season maybe in TCU history has kind of taken a, a backseat at the moment, but we're happy to have you here. And if people are watching on YouTube, um, this is Andy Patton. He's from Lockdown College Basketball. If you're listening on your favorite podcast platform and you think to yourself, man, that sounds like something I'd be interested in. Andy, what can they expect from the show on a, on a daily basis that, uh, that you and Isaac put on every day? Yeah, yeah. So it's a it's very new show. It started on November 7th. So the first day of the college basketball season was the first day of the show. So we're still kind of getting our, our feet wet on it. But it's uh, myself, Isaac Shade, the host of the Locked on Tar Heels, Tar Heels podcast, excuse me. Uh, so him and I kind of alternate uh, one of us with a guest, the two of us together. It's kind of trading off on that, but it's five days a week. Uh, just like, you know, Locked on TCU or any of your favorite podcasts uh, through the Locked on Network. Uh, we got some interviews. Isaac just talked to Peyton Siva, the former point guard for the Louisville team in 2013. Uh, so that was very cool. Do a lot of game recaps, a lot of game previews, a lot of hot takes uh, about how the season has shaken out so far. So uh, it's been really, really fun. I'm really excited for it to continue to grow. And I think a, a great opportunity to get to talk about the entire sport of college basketball, not just the teams on the network. So TCU coming into the year, um, they were top 15 team in the AP poll. Last season, won their first tournament game in a long time. Took mm-hmm. Arizona, you know, to to the buzzer there before losing in overtime. And they returned pretty much everybody, uh, which is rare in this transfer portal, mm-hmm. um, early entry, you know, world that we live in in college basketball. So I know there's been a few games here, but if you could take me back, what kind of were your expectations for this team going into the season and, and where they stacked up in the Big 12 and in the, in the national landscape? Yeah, you know, it's interesting. I think one thing we've seen that has happened uh, for a couple of teams in recent years, in part because of the transfer portal and everything that you alluded to, is that teams that tend to keep everybody together get a lot of, not necessarily unfair, but they get a lot of praise, a lot of expectation kind of heaped on them. TCU is certainly in that conversation. I think Indiana, which they proved it with a big win over Xavier on Friday, but Indiana was a team that kind of was, was favored to win the Big Ten mostly because they were the team that was least impacted by the offseason. Uh, right. And that was somewhat similar to what we saw with TCU. And you're a team that had a good year, had a hot stretch in March, which always helps, return most of your players. And you have a player like Mike Miles who comes in who's you know expected to be a potential Big 12 player of the year candidate, uh, one of the best point guards in all co- college basketball. When you have all that stuff together, it's pretty easy to see how there might be a lot of hype, even if this is a group that, Yes, they've played together, but it's, you know, they weren't, they didn't win the Big 12 last year or anything like that. Like, this is a team that 
was pretty good with this core of players and seemed to get a lot of hype mostly because they were maintaining that core of players. That does not mean that they were overhyped necessarily or that they're not all that good. I think this is still a very quality team, but we have seen this kind of pattern. It happened with UCLA a few years ago as well, where teams that tend to just have a lot of continuity get a lot of early preseason hype because people expect that they're going to kind of come out of the shoots playing really well because they don't have that kind of period of time where they have to adjust to new teammates. Yeah. And well, that's an interesting segue because I, when the off season started, I thought, okay, this team has a lot of potential, mm-hmm. but it's funny because last year they were really sort of a middle of the road, big 12 team, kind of yeah. a bubble team for the majority of the season had some huge wins against Texas tech and Kansas. And then went on a nice run in March. Mm-hmm. So the big 12, when you look at it, mm-hmm. um, Baylor has become sort of the the standard bear. Yeah, uh, you got a you got a up close look at Texas the other night mm-hmm. um, when when they, when they played Gonzaga yeah. and Chris Beard. Tech has got just a system. It seems like where yeah. they're just gonna you know suffocate you with defense and mm-hmm. um, fit guys in and out. Obviously Kansas. At the moment, do you have like a team that you think is head and shoulders better than everybody else in the league, or is it really uh, kind of to be determined? Yeah, I, I think right now it's probably between Baylor and Kansas. Uh, Baylor obviously suffered a loss. Uh, they lost to, uh, I believe, Virginia. Virginia. Yes, okay, they lost to Virginia, uh, and UCLA lost in that tournament as well. Now Baylor and UCLA get a chance to play each other. That'll be a really exciting top 10 matchup uh, between those two squads. But I think Baylor is probably the the team right now, but it's really close between them and Kansas, obviously defending national champs. Uh, for the Jayhawks, really, really solid squad. Got some good freshmen in that group as well. The Big 12 is so top-heavy. It's, I mean, they're, they're good top to bottom. Don't get me wrong. Even the bottom teams in the Big 12 are still kind of light years ahead of many of the other bottom feeder programs and other Power 5 conferences. But the the top-heaviness of the Big 12 right now is just obscene, and you figure that Houston's going to be in that mix uh, here shortly as well, and that's just going to make this a really really difficult but also really really fun uh, conference to watch on a on a weekly basis during the regular season so i want to talk about jamie dixon for a minute um mm-hmm. when he was hired it was a huge deal i know yeah. the the pit tenure kind of ended like pit was sort of ready to let him walk out mm-hmm. and that hasn't worked for them but uh he, he got to tcu mm-hmm. and they were one of the worst programs in the country so mm-hmm. it, it was just like, oh, wow, they get they convinced Jamie Dixon to come here. That's amazing. Yeah. And he wins the NIT his first year. They make the tournament in year two. Expectations sort of shot up. And in, I'll, I'll be honest with you, Andy, in the COVID year, like in 2020, mm-hmm. it was their second or third season in a row where they were like not even really an NIT club. And I started yeah. saying, I don't know if this is going to work. Like mm-hmm. it, it might have just been – a flash in the pan and they might have to go a different direction, but he's turned the corner. I think with a lot of guys that fit what mm-hmm. he wants to do, um, they're still pretty limited in scoring and in shooting, mm-hmm. but I guess as someone who's got more of a kind of a big picture, look at this. What do you make Like what's your kind of respect level for Jamie and mm-hmm. what do you like about his teams through the years, whether it be at Pitt or at TCU? 
Yeah, I mean, I think it's it's hard to not look favorably on a coach who has succeeded in the Big East, the old Big East, who has who still succeeded in the ACC when Pitt made that move over to the ACC. Not as much success, but NCAA tournament two out of his three years when they were in the ACC and has generally succeeded in the Big 12. To be able to do that in three of the most marquee basketball conferences in all of college basketball certainly shows you that he he knows what he's doing. He, he can handle himself on the sideline. I think an interesting thing that has started to crop up in the last couple of years is just the, the general way that we evaluate head coaches because there has been this tremendous shift in college basketball in terms of how you build rosters. One of the most important things a coach does outside of X's and O's and player development and, and scheduling and all of that stuff is, is roster management. Mm-hmm. Building a roster, recruiting is obviously a huge part of it, and also how teams acquire players in the transfer portal. You mentioned that I host Locked on Zags. That Gonzaga has been getting high-level transfers into their program since long before the portal kind of existed. That was an area that they found a lot of success in. And so for, for Dixon and for TCU, that's kind of an untested area at this point. This isn't a team that brought in a bunch of transfers, and that's not necessarily a right. good or a bad thing. I don't think that it says anything super intense about Dixon and the staff yet, but that's kind of the point is we don't, we don't know, is he going to be able to go out there and find high level transfers that are going to come in and immediately make an impact? Is this an area that is maybe not going to be a big strength of his? And in that case, is TCU going to lean more into domestic high school recruiting or even looking internationally or or finding other ways to, to build a roster? Because at the end of the day, the X's and O's and, and that kind of stuff, it certainly still matters and it definitely matters when you get into March, but you got to be able to build the dang roster. And now that that's done in such a different way than it's ever been done in college basketball history, it almost kind of puts a reset button on how we evaluate coaches uh, going forward. And for Dixon, because this team didn't necessarily need to make a lot of additions via the transfer portal, I don't think that it's something that we should look negatively upon him for, for not making a bunch of additions, but it is something that we haven't really seen how he's able to to put together the pieces of using the transfer portal, using the other tools at his disposal to build a roster. Uh, TCU, they're going to get some more tests in the coming weeks. They play Cal and Providence mm-hmm. next, which Gonzaga, their non-conference schedule, I mean, they just hit yeah. the ground running. But yeah. the Hogs, we like to ease into things. <laughs> and yeah. Cal and Providence is kind of as, as tough as we're going to get. Mm-hmm. Um, the team right now is, is sort of in a weird place. They sort of sleptwalk through uh, games against Pine Bluff and Lamar, won mm-hmm. those ball games, then suffered a tough loss to Northwestern State, bounced back against Louisiana Monroe uh, earlier this week. So now, I guess, Andy, they're, they're missing their starting backcourt at the moment, Mike Miles mm-hmm. and, and Damian Ball. And I know, I know this happens from time to time. Like, mm-hmm. Power 5 team loses one of these quad four games at home, mm-hmm. and it's on SportsCenter. And then you look up in February and March, and it's not that big of a deal. Yeah. But it, it felt like a huge deal on you know Thursday night when they lost that game. So, is this the type of thing that they can recover from? Obviously, the Big Twelve schedule is going to help them a lot mm-hmm. because they're going to have plenty of chances to beat quality opponents. Um, just how glaring is is that L that they took at home to Northwestern State, kind of in the grand scheme of things? You know, it's interesting because there's been there's been a lot of really odd losses that that teams have suffered so far this season. Like TCU is is very far from alone in this situation. Obviously, if they had if that 
if they had lost to Pine Bluff, which was very, very close, or if they had somehow blown that lead to Lamar and ended up losing that game, we'd be having a bit of a different conversation. But they did pull out a victory against Pine Bluff. They did beat Lamar. And yeah, they suffered a pretty ugly loss against Northwestern State. But again, a lot of teams have kind of already done that. And and it's a, li- a little bit more unique with TCU because one of the excuses that some of those other teams have been able to kind of use is, hey, we're a young team or an inexperienced team yeah. playing together because we have two, three, four, five, in some cases, new players in our rotation who we acquired via the transfer portal or who are, who are freshmen. And TCU doesn't really have that. And so that does make the loss maybe stand out a little bit more, but again, they've, they've, they've had some pretty significant injuries. And I think that that is definitely something that, that counts. I think again, using Gonzaga as the example, like they have to load up their non-conference schedule because their conference schedule doesn't help them very much. Mm -hmm. It's not a secret that the WCC is not the big 12 or the big 10 or the PAC 12 or anything like that. And so for them loading up the calendar, even if they lose some of those games is pretty pivotal. It's, it's vital for their success in March for TCU. It's, it's not. It's not necessarily as important for them. They need to peak at the right time. And losing to Northwestern State, November, early November is not the right time. It's not the right time to peak. It's not a time that's very necessary for them to peak. Would you like them to be 4-0 right now and, and feeling like they have a lot of momentum heading into their first Power 5 game of the season against Cal? Yeah. Yeah, you would. But at the end of the day, like they're going to play Baylor. They're going to play Kansas. They're going to play Tech. They're going to play all these phenomenal teams from January to March, and they're going to have all sorts of time to sharpen the iron and to get themselves ready to roll. You never like seeing early losses. Early quad four losses are, are not fun at all. And again, uh, especially for a team that was kind of expected to, to, to hit the ground running the way that they did. But uh, all that really matters is how you play from about February 1st on, especially when you're in a conference like the Big 12. And I think TCU is, they still got some work to do. Don't get me wrong, but I think that there, there's not any reason to panic yet. Mike Miles kind of unexpectedly came back last offseason. Um, and and I don't know if that was the feedback he got from the NBA. I mean, he said it was more unfinished business mm-hmm. in college. Could be a mix of both. Andy, sometimes I think I'm too tough on Mike because I watch him every week. And he just – I'm like, man, I wish you'd be more aggressive scoring the ball because he can mm-hmm. take over and score. But he's a point guard, so he's got a lot of other responsibilities. I was a little surprised when he was named preseason Big 12 player of the year, but mm-hmm. I realized that kind of goes back to what you were saying earlier, just the experience and him coming yeah. back. Um, when you watch him play, does does he look like, you know, a top flight guard in, in college basketball to you? Yeah, you'd like to see him be more efficient uh, shooting the basketball. I think that's definitely one of those things that – uh, the the numbers are there. The st- you know the statistics are there. The impact he has on the game is clearly evident. Whether whether you're watching the game or just reading the box scores, either way, it's very obvious uh, that he is a profoundly impactful player. But like he shot under thirty percent from three last year. He shot under forty percent from the field last year. Like it's hard when you're the like like you said a point guard who's also kind of the team's best score and is expected right. to kind of handle a scoring role in addition to being the actual facilitator. Uh, but for miles, like, yeah, there, there's some stuff he needs to work on some, whether it's being more aggressive at going to the rim and just finding his own shot, uh, more consistency from beyond the arc. He's 40% through, you know, just two games this season. So obviously not a sample that's really notable yet, but for him, he's also 36% uh, in the 2020, 21 season. So 
maybe that 30% that we saw last year is a bit of an aberration. If he could be up 35, 38% from deep, that's going to really, really help. The Big 12 has a ton of extremely, extremely talented players. For Miles to be in that conversation for Big 12 Player of the Year is a testament to, to how highly he is regarded by analysts and scouts and people who cover this game. But like he, he's he's by no means a perfect player and certainly has some elements of his game that that if he does not improve on them, it does put a cap on probably how successful TCU can be this year. So a lot of pressure for a young guard, but but he's he's up to the task as well as just about anybody in this conference. The Big 12, uh, the last two national champions have come from this conference. And when realignment was kind of popping off last summer, I, I had this thought. I said, you know, it's interesting. I wonder if the league starts to position itself as kind of their identity being the premier basketball conference, Mm -hmm. which is funny because they're, I mean, in the middle of football country, I'm living in a state where, where football is king. But I know, I mean, I know the big 10 is really good. Mm -hmm. Um, I know your co-host Isaac shade probably tries Mm -hmm. to get you with ACC propaganda from time to time. (laughs) Do you think Andy, and and we'll just Mm -hmm. talk about the teams that are there now. I know Mm -hmm. there's some expansion coming. Mm -hmm. Um, as it stands, is this top to bottom the best basketball conference in the nation? Yeah. Yeah. I, right now, I think that it is. And, and like you mentioned, there's obviously some changes that some that are confirmed that are happening, some that are are not confirmed, but that are, are being speculated on. But there's just there are some not as good teams. You know, the Oklahoma schools haven't been as dominant basketball wise uh, recently. West Virginia, even though they're coached by, you know, a Hall of Famer and Bob Huggins, mm-hmm. they have not been as great lately. Kansas State is good, but not necessarily an elite program. But I mean, by and large, just about everybody else is not a team that you want to face. And heck, I if, if West Virginia is one of the easiest true road games you got to go play and you got to go play against a Hall of Famer like Hugs, like if that's one of your easier games, then yeah, you, you got yourselves a, a difficult conference there. And I mean, Kansas, Baylor are two of the best teams in all of college basketball. They've been two of the best teams in college basketball for quite a long time. Kansas for a very, very long time. Baylor, not quite as long, but they've been really, really good. Uh, Texas Tech, Texas, obviously, I mean, we saw what Texas just did to Gonzaga. They they look like a really good, really athletic, really uh, strong offensive team. Uh, I think they're going to cause a lot of problems. Iowa State's been a bit kind of up and down in the last mm-hmm. half decade or so, but when they're rolling, when they got things going, like they're they're a really good team too. So the Big 12 has clearly positioned themselves to be the premier basketball conference in the NCAA. I think, you know, you mentioned the Big 10. They're you know, a little bit questionable on how good they're actually going to be this year. Uh, certainly the additions, future additions of USC and UCLA will help. Uh, Pac-12, not very good, especially without those guys. SEC is a little top heavy. ACC has been pretty down. Florida State looks awful. Syracuse doesn't look very good. Louisville is in a really bad place right now. So, so yeah, I, I think the big 12 is pretty clearly the team uh, to beat right now. We, we didn't talk about the big East. The big East is, is good mm-hmm. and has, has remained good, but is a little bit down. Jay Wright leaving hurts Villanova a little bit. And, and we'll kind of see where some of the rest of those teams shake out. But for me, the teams in the big 12, even though, like you said, they're all kind of in football country, which makes it pretty funny. Uh, but this is a really, really good, one of the best basketball conferences I've seen in a really long time. So final thing for you, um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised by anything in realignment, but (laughs) this really caught me off guard. There's been a lot Mm -hmm. of talk about the Big 12 trying to add a West Coast footprint, and it's Mm -hmm. it's primarily surrounded, you know, the Arizona schools, possibly in the Pac-12. But Brett Yormark reportedly has had some conversations 
mm-hmm. with Gonzaga. And forgive me, I should have looked at this. Gonzaga doesn't play football at all, right? There's no, correct. Okay, so all in on basketball. Actually, yep. a pretty good baseball program too. I remember mm-hmm. them coming to to Fort Worth and taking two or three from the Frogs a couple of years yep. ago. I didn't appreciate that. Um, <laughs> but basketball wise, I mean, mm-hmm. they are a huge brand name. Yeah. How real is this? What are you hearing about it? And and does it make sense to you for them to join um, and kind of add to this basketball powerhouse? Uh, there, there are so many avenues about this conversation that are fascinating to me. Uh, I, yes, I think that it is real in the sense that it is being discussed and it is being discussed seriously. Uh, I think that Gonzaga has for so long wanted to position themselves in a way where they can get into a power conference. This has always been something they've wanted. Clearly, their basketball program is well, well beyond what the WCC can offer them. And a lot of people like to bring up like, oh, well, you know, Gonzaga has a cushy opportunity now. They can kind of coast to a one seed in the WCC and, and you know, usually win their first couple of games by by virtue of being a one seed. And there's, there's a, an element of truth to that. But Gonzaga doesn't have any national championships yet. And as much as Gonzaga fans like to defend the WCC and don't like to be reminded of their conference schedule, you could argue that not playing as good of opponents between January and March probably has something to do with them not having won a national championship. And clearly the coaching staff wants to change that. And if you can challenge yourselves by playing really, really difficult games every single week, again, if the easiest road trip you're taking is Bob Huggins in West Virginia, as opposed to now when they go to Stockton, California and play Pacific, like that's a pretty big difference. And so for the Zags, it makes a ton of sense. Uh, It makes sense to bring all the sports because I don't think the WCC or any other, you know, mid-major West Coast conferences are really interested in keeping Gonzaga's other schools. Like they're not going to want to do that. So if Gonzaga's moving to the big 12 baseball and soccer and every other sport that's affiliated is going with them. And yeah, there's, there's a travel element to that. That's going to be, it's going to take a lot of work to figure out how that works, how it works from a a budget perspective, uh, how much money the the big 12 is willing to pay Gonzaga, which is a, a strange element because of the lack of football kind of aspect of this whole thing. So there's a lot of kind of wonkiness, uh, the Pac-12 for a long time has been pretty resistant to adding a school like Gonzaga to the point where they've been like pretty firm about it. Of we only take big re- research institutions and we're not taking religiously affiliated schools and they have to have football. And that's fine if that's going to be their stance. And it's been their stance for a long time. But now once Gonzaga starts talking to other people in other conferences, you're starting to see the Pac-12 kind of pull back some of that, some of that belief a little bit. And they're starting to realize, hey, we might lose like a a really we're losing UCLA and USC and now we're going to watch Gonzaga like the the only other premier basketball program on the west coast we're just going to watch them walk away and go somewhere else and so I'm I'm curious if the Pac-12 is going to kind of you know get their butt going and figure out a way to try to keep Gonzaga uh, on the west coast but at the end of the day like there's no better place to be if you're a premier basketball program than the Big 12 there's not the Big East is great but it's it's not as good as the Big 12. If the Big 12 is willing to take Gonzaga despite the football kind of differences, I think it's a phenomenal fit for the Zags. And frankly, I mean, a phenomenal fit for the Big 12, too. How could it not be to add, you know, you're already going to add a team like Houston in a couple of years. BYU is not a huge addition, although it does create a more natural rivalry slash travel partner potentially with the Zags, which is kind of nice. Uh, but to have Houston and Baylor and Kansas and Texas and tech and, 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 and all these programs in the big 12 is just a ridiculous, unbelievable basketball conference. And you can see why there's appeal from both sides. And I know they'll reload with incredible talent, but can you mm-hmm. promise me by the time this happens, 
Mm-hmm. Drew Timmy will not be like working on a doctorate and still scoring <laughs> 30 points a game. Is is he done after this year? Technically, no. I mean, yes, most likely. Uh, technically, he has another year of eligibility, believe it or not. Um, but he would have to he would have to return to school without even declaring for the NBA draft because there's a rule. If you declare it for the NBA draft a third time, which he's already done it twice, uh, if you declare a third time, you can no longer return to school. I don't know how long that rule is going to stay in effect. It seems like kind of a silly rule. Um, but it, it, Andrew Nemhard, who was at Gonzaga last year, their starting point guard, that impacted him. He declared for the draft and that officially killed his NCAA eligibility. I, I think a lot of fans are terrified of the concept that Drew Timmy could, in fact, be back for one more year. But I would be fairly surprised if he is. I think he's he's ready to move on to bigger and better things, even if uh, – his game doesn't translate all that well to the modern NBA. He's still a guy who's going to have a professional basketball career and one that a lot of people are going to be happy to see wearing something other than Gonzaga colors. <laughs> yeah. Heck of a player. Well, this was great. You can find Andy on Twitter at Andy CBB. And then the college basketball podcast is uh, excuse me. Locked on college basketball is at yep. locked on CBB on Twitter is the best way just to subscribe on YouTube. Andy, as far as kind of following the show. Absolutely. Yeah. It's available on all podcast platforms, but also if you go to YouTube, just hit that big red subscribe button. I'm trying to grow it that way. All the shows will be there in full. We'll also have short clips from the episodes as well. So uh, little clips about TCU, we'll get them out there. We'll get them up. So if people want to check those out, they can. Good deal. Hopefully we can talk again and hopefully this team matters in March once again, because that was a fun run last year. This is Locked on Horned Frogs. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team.